You may find this hard to believe, but 60 songs that explain the 90s, America's favorite poorly named music podcast is back with 30 more songs than 120 songs total. I am your host, Rob Harvilla, here to bring you more shrewd musical analysis, poignant nostalgic reveries, crude personal anecdotes, and rad special guests all with even less restraint than usual. Join us once more on 60 Saws That Explain the 90s every Wednesday on Spotify. This episode is presented by Walmart Plus. Walmart Plus is the membership that helps you save on things you expect, plus the things you don't, like free delivery from your store with no markups, gas savings, and even a free Paramount Plus subscription. Start your free 30-day trial at walmartplus.com Paramount Plus Essential Plan Only. Separate registration required. $35 order minimum. See walmart.com slash plus for details. Nathan, we've got to start using Apple Cash. Uh, okay. Why? It's so easy and convenient. Apple Cash lives in messages where you and I text all the time. We do. All right. So I can pay you in the convos we're already having, like I do when I bribe you to say nice things about my favorite Taylor Swift songs. You'll never forget a payment or have the money just sitting somewhere collecting dust. You do owe me money from the last time we saw those Taylor and Travis picks, so that is nice. (laughs) And once I've done that, you can use that cash right away. You can buy stuff at a store with Apple Pay. So I don't have to do all the bank transfer stuff then? Nope. It's just right there. It's easy, convenient, and secure. Wait, did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? See how easy that was? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Hello and welcome to Every Single Album. I'm Nora Princiati. I am here with Nathan Hubbard in the second installment of the summer of Taylor Swift. Nathan, how's it going? It's the summer of Taylor Swift. What do you mean how it's going? It's going great. Everything is chaotic. We're moving on from Detroit. It seemed like Detroit was great. Flavor Flav was there. Yes, Flavor Flav was there requesting friendship bracelets. friendship bracelets from the Swifties and seemed to get a bunch of them, which I have to be honest with you, even though I like fully negged your J.J. Watt related take about like the men. This is what I'm saying. Okay, I didn't buy it with J.J. Watt. I do buy it with Flavor Flav. If Flavor Flav is on yeah. board, like, I think that's meaningful. I mean, that's that's a data point. To be, he seems to be genuinely into it. I mean, as these cultural phenomenons just shoot through the sky. Occasionally there are people who try to hitch their wagons to them. This might be a theme we talk about when we talk about the Karma Ice Spice remix. But, you know, so I'm never quite sure whether there's authenticity to the fandom of people who are sending lots of social media posts about them being at Taylor Swift shows. But there was something Aaron Rodgers. First of all, yeah, Aaron Rodgers. There is something cool about Flav of Flav, period. And there is something super cool about him going and like actually engaging with fans. I didn't see no friendship bracelets on Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. I'm going to spend the entire summer dragging Aaron Rodgers. It's going to be a little bit unwarranted, but it's going to be happening. I'm, well, I, what, I the, don't have... The, the Jets are going to go 6-11 and 11 or what? what are, what's your call this wow. year? Wow. No, I think they'll be. I think they'll be pretty good. They'll be pretty good, but it just won't matter because he should I don't want to steal content from the ringer football stuff. But. He should have gone to the NFC. Like, I, I almost want to give him credit for going to a conference with so many good quarterbacks, but it just makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense for what he wants to do. Um, but this is for another podcast. 
<laughs> I think he's a better quarterback for the Jets than Flavor Flav, but it may be that Flavor Flav is a better Swifty than Aaron Rodgers. Anyway, I do want to say that this might have been the most drama-free Taylor week of the summer so far. Disagree. And fine. I want you to bring the heat. Let's talk about it. But <laughs> the one thing... I mean... There was this thing flying around the dark corners of TikTok that she was retiring yesterday. And I briefly, I had one of my Wait, kids sorry. come to me. What the literal? Did, yes. See, there was like a, a like fake statement that got put around where she was just over the drama and it was enough and she was going to stop making music going forward. And it was brought to me by one of my kids, which is saying something about me as a parent, but also about the depths of the internet sort of like, not unlike the Meg, the movie that this horrible shark of misinformation came <laughs> up from the, from the depths of the ocean and got into the place, you know, the real ocean, which is people's minds in the mainstream. It broke through this week. I think it's easily debunked, but did you see nothing about this? I completely missed this. And I'm honestly right. glad A I did because kids, I don't think I'm like not, we were talking about this off air. I'm apartment hunting right now. And it is just like exhausting. Oh, and like there I'm not go. in the mental, I'm not in the mental place that I would need to be to have handled a even slightly credible seeming Taylor Swift retirement rumor. Like it would have, well, it would have broken. It's good me. that you don't have a tweenish daughter. That's all I'm going to say because there that are is, some tweenish that's good daughters for a of reasons, but yes. who were freaking the f out, <laughs> right? Who were freaking the f out uh, over the past few days? Okay, the, so then why do you feel like everywhere. it was a drama free week? There's like weird stuff online that she's going to, you know, hang them up. Shakily credible outlets are reporting that Joe is whining about getting the quote Harry Styles treatment, which is just like, how is this? The this week was not drama free. Maybe it's just because the other weeks were, were at an 11. But like, what is your argument here? I, I teach me about the drama. Let's get into it then. All right. I, it's well, not really the absence that is interesting. It's the presence. So what was present this week, Nor? So first of all, you just told me what was present. You told me that there was a uh, a serious rumor circulating in, in the, the deep web that she was going to retire. And then also in like Radar Online or, or some like very, very, very... Uh, Dog shit publication? just like mounds and mounds and mounds of salt. But like, I will give it airtime because I'm irresponsible, but also because I thought it was funny. There was a report citing friends of Joe saying that he oh boy. was embarrassed by you're losing me and by the Maddie Healy thing. Um, but then yeah. the, 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 which like, whatever, I don't care. The thing that was funny about it was that the syntax that this person who's either making shit up or like knows Joe Alwyn somehow used was that he was upset that he was getting the quote unquote Harry Styles treatment of having a song written about it. <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, what do you expect? Like, <laughs> first of what all, did you think first uh, of all, when you went into the dive bar on the East side, like you knew what you were getting into homie. Dive bar on the East side, where you at? First of all, you and I have talked about this before. Harry in the songs that were written about him comes off looking probably way cooler and like more mysterious yes. than he ever deserved You're to right. be. You're right. James Joe. Dean. You got that James Dean, Dean, dream look in your eyes. Joe, Joe is dreaming for the Harry Styles treatment, or at least he should be. Like getting dumped for Maddie Healy is, it's worse, babe. 
<laughs> wow. Yeah, fair enough. I think, but like, there's no complaint about get like it, you. You knew what you signed up for. Like, yes, she's going to move on. Yes, you're going to get and a there song. Will be songs. I mean, look. It's, yes. It's so okay, we're going to talk about. We're going to spend this episode talking about. You're losing me and some of the more Lana Del Rey and the Karma remix because for as many takes as we were able to get off last week about some of those songs, I don't think that we had... Ridiculousness. We didn't have time to just like totally talk about them as songs, which particularly in the case of of You're Losing Me is like kind of a weird thing to talk about because it's... The thing that I want to ask you is like, will this ever be a song to you or is it just like a thing that Taylor Swift did that gets wrapped up in in everything that happened with Joe and the breakup and is sort of like a moment in time more so than it is a musical statement but the thing is is like (laughs) the thing that just made me laugh about this this thing which might be totally fake was just that like if just say nothing Joe you had a real opportunity you had a, just a real, real, real opportunity when she was being a little bit messy to all of a sudden go from what's up with Joe? He seems nice, but it's a little bland to just like, oh, man, Joe's looking real good by comparison. Just don't mm-hmm. just don't speak like this is the this is the message. Every week we're going to say some version of this to some dude. Just don't speak. Just don't talk. Just I- It can only get worse. <laughs> I mean, you should say that more to me. It seemed like he had most of the fan base on his side for a little while. Not that it's a popularity contest. That's what I'm saying. When you have, you have the entire fan base on your side. Don't go whining about getting the Harry Styles treatment, which isn't even a thing. I don't think he did. Let's, this is a man who stayed quiet for six years while dating one of the most famous people in the world. I don't think that right now is his time to through a friend put some bland-ass vanilla statement out into the press. I just don't buy it. I think it's bullshit. I think this guy... I believe there was some principle into the way that he behaved over the last six years while in a celebrity-focused relationship. And it it seems unlikely that that's the way that he would break it. All right. I hope that's true. The catalyst, whether he did or didn't or whatever, we'll, we'll, we'll put that to the side. But the reason that gets any oxygen whatsoever is in in part because we have this new song. And last week we got to talk about You're Losing Me a little bit uh, in terms of the context in which it came out and the it being sold on the CDs at MetLife. But... I really want to hear what you think about it as, as an actual piece of music. And I've found, which is why I was, was bringing up the idea of if you're able to hear it just as a song, I found that that's very difficult for me. Like it's very hard for me to listen to that song and get to, you know, get to the bridge, which I do. I do really enjoy just for how it sounds. I love how it builds. But it is so hard for me to get to and I wouldn't marry me either and not just be like, oh, my God, they were together for six years and he posted all this Instagrams of her cats. And like, it's it's, I almost can't hear it. 
Where are you on that journey? How do you feel when you listen to Shoulda, Coulda, Woulda? So good. Like, I like I want to commit crimes, but in a good way. So you don't have to separate the song from, or, or, or the music from the point of the song in that situation. No, like, I, and I don't, and maybe this is to your point. I'm not really thinking about John Mayer when I listen to it. Like, I, I kind of am with Dear John, although in a weird way, less than you would think. Those songs, there's a righteousness, there's a righteous anger, yeah. and there is something about I regret about this, you all the time is a like, hell it's, of a I, I'm thinking about me, honestly. And there's like a power yeah. in, oh, Taylor Swift has these feelings and is writing about them so powerfully. Mm. And I get to relate to that and feel the strength of that. Like when I listen to What It Coulda Shoulda, it's one of those songs where if I have it in my headphones and I'm walking down the street... I have to like mouth the words because it has to come out of me in some way. And then I'm just like, I'm being an absolute freak show of a human walking down the street, but it's, there's like so much energy in it. You're losing me. Even though I think the concept of someone not, you know, loving someone, but also knowing that they're not fighting for you like that, that's something a lot of people go through. Yes. Like that is a song about Taylor Swift's relationship with Joe Alwyn to me, at least yeah. right now. Like I, I cannot break it. I think it's an excellent point. Um, I'm sorry. I called it shoulda, coulda, woulda instead of woulda, coulda, shoulda. I do that um, all the time. I will never know the name of that song, even though it's like I, one of I, my favorites. <laughs> I regret it all the time. I regret you all the time. Pardon the pun. I think it's a really good point, Nora. And I have the same feeling. I actually really love the song, but this is one that I feel like we lived with her and for six years, not six years, but probably the last three in the back of everyone's mind, we spoke about it briefly on the pod. The question was, is she going to get married? Does she want to get married? Why isn't she married? We're not seeing a lot of her. Yeah. We had a pandemic where everyone disappeared for two or three years, but like this is an artist who has survived in many ways by constantly being everyone's best friend. You're wondering about your best friend, what's happening in this relationship. And the timing of it too is the one for me that was hard because it came in parallel to the public, if not a formal confirmation of her relationship with Maddie Healy. There was something that happened indirectly that, prepped people for the fact that he was going to be at the Nashville shows and around. And, and so the fact that this showed up, I, I, it felt more like a smack and a slap than it did a song. Maybe it was her explanation. And that's why for me, I look at this and I go, did, when did this song get written? Was this written six months ago, a year ago, or was this song written in the last two months and that it functions more as an explanation to the fan base than much else. And in that regard, man, it's harsh. It's harsh. Yeah. I mean... It makes me sad. It adds to the sadness. Yeah. It, it, I guess it's harsh. Although, if it's true, if it's coming from a place of truth, it is a song about her not being 
wanted in the way that she wants to be, which has always been, you know, well-worn territory for a lot of songs of hers that we love. So in that sense, I don't know that it's, it's, you know, crossing some line that's never been crossed before. One line that really interests me in it is, you know, there, there's the heartbeat is such a powerful tool and she's obviously, she's used that before in production, but having that yeah. in a song like this and then having it just drop out um, yeah. in the last line of the song is, is gut wrenching. I can't find a pulse. My heart won't start anymore. But there is that line early on where she says, my heart won't start anymore. And then there's a pause and then it's for you. I can't find a pulse. My heart won't start anymore for you. Which I find really fascinating because sometimes, and and I think we've talked about this in the past a bunch, this idea that often she will write these really, really, you know, pained emotional songs to work through rejection. But even when she does something that ends up being really satisfying for the listener and, and for someone who's maybe trying to relate to them is that there is still this sense of like power and remove that often comes through in, in one little line. And I can't quite figure out what I feel about the fact that that is present here too, because Mm. it almost it stands a little bit in contrast with how devastating the bridge is, right? Like if you wanted to spend your entire life with someone and they just didn't want to. Yeah. Uh, to simultaneously have that little bit of, I will be okay because my heart won't start anymore for you, but for someone else it could. Like th- there's an incongruence there that is is interesting, but that is tough for me to figure out just like where this was coming from and exactly what place this was coming from. And I think it speaks to the same timeline question because that for you to me offers a little bit more in terms of processing and, and starting to do the work of getting over and and moving on. Whereas so much of, of the bridge, which is my favorite part of the song and, even though it is the most, I think, emotionally devastating in the lyrics where the, you know, say something, do something, choose something, where all of that starts building together is, I think, the most musically interesting and satisfying part of the song. And maybe that's what it represents, right? Like you have good days and bad days. You wake up some days and go, I will never get over this person as long as I live in my life might as well be over. And then you, you know, you have a good night out with your friends and go, oh yeah, there's, there's, there were a lot of things wrong with that. And there's more to life than what I was doing, you know, with the guy from conversations with friends or whatever it is. So yeah, uh, that's the musical equivalent or the equivalent within the song of that timeline question for me where I can't quite pin down exactly where this came from. When I say it's harsh, I just mean it's harsh in its honesty. I, and I think the this is a breakup song that it's a mature breakup song because she's taking Stop, You're Losing Me sounds like a traditional Taylor Swift song where she's pointing the finger at somebody else. But I think in the verses, she's actually exposing the real 
emotional tension that she has, which is she's not feeling it. And the decision that she's having to make is whether to end this or to keep fighting for something that is the longest romantic relationship that she's had in her life. I, I think it's very clear and we all can unsurprisingly acknowledge that you're never going to take the romantic out of Taylor Swift. <laughs> so it's not surprising to me that she never gets to a place where she doesn't think she could find love elsewhere. I think she, her entire life and career and writing is focused on her obsession with love in many ways. Well, and even so like the, the you're that losing me, that, the you're losing yeah. me, right? Echoes hope I never lose you. And I hope I never lose you. Hope it never ends. Which is yeah. devastating, but it's also yeah. a reflection of, of that cycle. And in some, like that was that quality in her, that romantic quality in her and that like obsession, right? With love and marriage was always a factor that made, I think, some of the stuff with, you know, how long she'd been with Joe and what was going on there and why we hadn't seen her. Like, that was such a complicated thing because you really, 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 or at least I do, want to lend credibility to the, you know, the Lavender Hayes 1950s shit. Like, maybe that's not what she wants. Because it's right. not what any woman should have to want. But right. there's always this little thing where it's like, this is the girl who wrote Love Story. Yes. Like, no, no, she this wants is what this. she wanted. And Nora, we wondered why, geez, we thought maybe a bunch of the re records. We're going to be a way for her to potentially take some time off. I mean, you know, we heard from inside, deep inside her camp four or five years ago, the notion that yes, maybe we did. she didn't want to do this forever. Maybe she didn't want to do this forever. And that, you know, maybe she wanted to take some time and who, who knew exactly what. And then we had, again, this unprecedented run of creativity with album after album after album. And again, in the back of our minds, we were constantly like, hey, she's... You know, her mother was sick. She's getting into her 30s. Like, does she want to start a family? Does she want to get married? Why is she? Why is she not? And this answers a lot of those questions for us, which is that it feels like there was a period of time where she was working really hard to try to keep this thing together because, gosh, the pain and just, just the terror of starting over, as we spoke about last week, is the most famous person in the world. It is impossible to find somebody just naturally off the street who might be, you know, your, the future husband and father of your children, I suspect. So it, it's such a scary proposition to walk into that. This to me just unlocks and answers a lot of the questions about what was happening with her creatively over the last four or five years. The backdrop is she had a relationship where it appears she had a partner who wasn't meeting her in some capacity and didn't want the same end objective that she did. And, and Nora, I think you're right. I think she wants the love story. And it seems like from this song, she's saying Joe didn't. Really, really trivial question to follow up that, that beautifully eloquent point. Is this ever going to be on streaming? I know we talked about it a little yes. bit last. You think it will be? Yes. Yes, I, I think it will be in the same way that Hits Different is now on streaming.
much to the delight of many people, there are a lot of people who are really in love with that song. Uh, are you I am still one as in them. love with that song? I am obsessed. I yeah. right now, I have a summer playlist right now that's just that song and the Dua Lipa song from the Barbie soundtrack, and I keep listening to it just on repeat. Watch me dance, dance the night away. <laughs> it's like a whole well, vibe. I was going to say, Hits Different could be on the Barbie soundtrack. I think Hits Different is on the Barbie soundtrack. Well, Every fine. single album Barbie it- soundtrack? Maybe <laughs> it hits different. Uh, b- certainly belongs on the Barbie soundtrack, although because it, it <laughs> it's shiny brightness belies. Well, and also, I used darkness. to switch out these cans. I used to switch out these cans. I just go. Well, there you go. Where does it rank? Is it one of the things we talked about with a lot of the vault tracks? Is that some of them have not stuck in the same way that the songs from the uh, original albums maybe have, right? And so my question to you is, is this a song that makes it into the regular rotation of your Taylor Swift listening? Or is it a passing or you're losing me. No, no, no. Hits different. I think you've answered that question on... Yeah. (laughs) I'm listening to two songs right now and one of them is Hits Different. What's the other one? I've listened... The Dua Lipa song from the Barbie soundtrack. Literally only two songs, period. Literally, they are on a playlist and I've listened to those two songs each probably at least 20 times each in the last 30 hours. Oh boy, you're down a rabbit hole. Can I rant for a sec? Uh, Yes, please, Nora. You know I love when you do. Pay apps are way too public. Uh Uh-oh, what happened? Okay, so some rando hearted a payment from five months ago And I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying. Full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it is super weird. Well, how are you going to pay your friends then? I'm asking for a friend. Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. A song that I have not listened to in the... Well, actually, that's not true. I did listen to it as, as I was preparing to do this podcast, but that is not on my summer playlist uh, because the, the weather references would be inappropriate. Snow on the Beach featuring more Lana Del Rey. Let's just... Let's, let's make sure we talk about this for a little bit. Um, Fine. We have a couple of news items to hit, but I don't know that we got to talk about it like as a song either last week. My, my question is just, did we need more Lana Del Rey? This And my answer is, it turns out, no, we did not. It's a cute uh, way of acknowledging the fan base and a reminder that she's always listening and she's always Tay lurking. And she grabbed Lana and threw her back in the studio and they did it. And it does not come out better. And that makes me lose a lot of confidence in my prior assessments of 
why did she not give artist X, Y, or Z, generally female artist X, Y, or Z, a verse? Remember, we were all up in arms about why she didn't get a verse, whoever it was. Okay, I was not. I've, well, I'm very on record as never really having cared about this. There's a lot of people that I love cared. when Phoebe Bridgers did it. When you can't blame it on my youth and roll your eyes with affection. And Phoebe got a verse in Nothing New. And, and Phoebe we made all... it better. And Phoebe. And, and yes. I love and, Phoebe. And, and I think I think that Taylor giving Phoebe a verse was a reaction to the fan base saying, why don't female artists ever get a verse? She heard that from Lana. She dragged Lana back in. It just didn't do a whole lot for the song. Do you for think me. it did do you think it detracted? Yeah, I do. Interesting. I, I, I do. I think it it sounds forced. It sounds performative and not authentic in hindsight. Cause I actually like snow on the beach. And it's like snow at the beach. Weird but fucking beautiful. Yeah, this, so this is why your 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 opinion on this is more valid than mine because no, I don't it's, it's not. not that I dislike snow on the beach, but it just is it's like Yes, Queen, give us nothing to me. Like the song is fine. It doesn't mean anything to me. I think right. the Lana Del Rey version is fine. Okay. It, I, I, I like, like I, I sort of like the idea of Lana Del Rey like hiding behind a fence and, <laughs> and like and like sort of, you know, <laughs> like weirdly just like hot, like trying to find ways to get herself into the song, but like I, I don't know, just being like behind yeah, a what curtain. What do you think Lana like what do you think Lana felt about this? I think Lana felt the same way that Ice Spice felt. I be dragging that wagon. Karma is a beauty. Winning that pageant. The same way that Marin Morris felt. I lived and I learned how do you got burned. The same way that on and on and on, which is let me attach myself to the rocket ship. I don't, it's true that she's a friend and it's probably coming from an authentic place in a number of those cases. But you know, it's like when Eric Schmidt talked to Sheryl Sandberg before she left Google for Facebook, he was like, when somebody offers you a seat on the rocket ship, you take the seat on the rocket ship. Mm, Yes. But okay. But do you think that when Taylor goes, Hey, Lana, I want to do a version with more of you on it. Do you think Lana Del Rey's reaction to that is like, yeah, damn right. You should have in the first place. Or is it just like, LOL, internet's going to internet. That's funny. Sure. At yeah. That time. I think she's like, uh, okay, sure. Let's go. Yeah. Will there be weed there? Yes. Let's do it. <laughs> if Lana Del Rey's there. Do I have to not. wear pants? No, let's do it. It's a pretty good Lana. Um, I don't think this matters at all, but it's just a weird thing. I noticed mm. when I was comparing the original and, and the more Lana version. Okay. There is a heartbeat sound like the one in You're Losing Me that yes. comes through on the bridge of the original version, but not on the more Lana version. Well, first of all, it's not the first time Jack has recycled some things. Uh, and it's not the first time Jack out. has recycled a heartbeat. Yeah, exactly. But why is it why is it gone on the more Lana version? Well, because it, there's more Lana and less everything else. There's more Lana and less heartbeat. It's covered up. Yeah. You can't hear the sound of a beating heart when Lana Del Rey is present. It's it's one hundred percent more Lana. <laughs> Can I tell you a funny story? Which is Please. that 
I have a like sort of a friend of a friend, but but I don't mean that to say that I don't like this person. I really, really like this person. I just don't know him that well. Um, who thought he really liked Lana Del Rey because the only thing that he the only Lana Del Rey song that he'd ever heard was the Summertime Sadness remix. Oh gosh. I got that summertime. And he was like, no, I'm a huge Lana Del Rey fan, like bangers only. And then was like, oh, I should go listen to some more Lana Del Rey. And everything is like two beats per minute. And it was just like, nope, not into this. (laughs) He's like, what happened to Lana Del Rey? It'd be like whoever's into her first album, like the, the like teeny bop Britney Spearsy thing. Anyway, look, I think this is a very, uh, interesting and cute, uh, hand out to the fan base more so than it was like a major artistic thing. And and that's why she said featuring more Lana Del Rey. I don't think we have to take absolutely everything super seriously. It's kind of the no, exact... No, it's funny. Like, that's the op- best thing that's about what it. it is. It's, it's, it's funny. funny. It's the exact it is, opposite it is, of your losing She has taken Tay lurking. So, like, the bit has become... The bit has come to life. Yes. The bit is in the studio. The bit yes. is, is calling Lana Del Rey and being like, you need to get back in here because like, well, I want to tell people that I'm, I'm online. And the bit was Maddie Healy apologizing on stage to Ice Spice and suddenly she does karma with Ice Spice. My question to you is, okay. was that always planned or was this an intentional reaction to the uproar around her new relationship? And she put out three things that were direct responses to the internet. One, what the fuck happened in your relationship? You're losing me. Two, where the fuck is Lana Del Rey in that song? (laughs) Snow on the beach. Here you go. Three, your new boyfriend is problematic with two T's. And and Oh God, he's going to make t-shirts with that. Evidence A is the ice spice stuff. And she comes out and basically says, internet, you're wrong. And there's no beef. And here we go. And not only am I bringing her up on stage for three nights in the plains of New Jersey, uh, where, where the giants and Aaron Rodgers and the jets play, but I'm also going to bring her into the music video and we're going to harness planets with our wonder woman ass glowing ropes and all kinds of good shit. Sweet like justice, karma is a queen. Karma takes all my friends to the summit. So, <laughs> it's. I'm sorry, this makes the Lana Del Rey thing even funnier because it's just so niche. Like, it just doesn't matter, right? Like, I know people, like, people had a lot to say about how you couldn't hear her on that song, but, like, no one actually cared. <laughs> Not in the way of, like, what happened with Joe or what's the deal with. Maddie yeah. saying rude things. Yeah. Um, so I do think that the Karma remix happened after the podcast comments, such as they were. I think that because in the photos that Taylor and Ice Spice posted from the studio, she was wearing one of the outfits that she wore during that week in late April when she was just like literally everywhere in New York City and getting yeah. photographed everywhere. So my understanding based on that is that the timing of actually recording this song lines up in such a way that it, that it would have been post, post-pod. Hmm. Um, Ice Space makes... Like, I, I don't think that that has to be... Uh, 
horrible and, and calculating in the negative sense and whatever, like it could have been a genuine way of, of apologizing. Now, if she, I guess if she's trying to do that so that like somehow Ice Spice wouldn't have responded to Maddie and made it work, like, I don't know. I would at least prefer to think of that if it was a way of, of mending fences yeah. as something more like an apology. And can I do something that's nice with you? Because that was obviously an uncalled but for. But Taylor doesn't owe her an, exp- an apology. No, Taylor doesn't at all. I don't, but I, look, it would not think- be. No, 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 no. I, I don't think that she owes it, but it would just not be the first time. It would not be the first time that somebody, you know, when someone else in a relationship has, has screwed up, has gone out of their way to, tr- to try to fix it. Yeah. Also, Ice Space makes a hell of a lot of sense for this song. Like, regardless, was, I'm saying this is a good career choice, regardless of the drama. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I, so like, Karma was probably always going to get a remix and a music video, and someone, because it has a brashness that works with hip hop and sort of like a pop hip hop artist can, can really, really nicely fit in with like something like this, I think was probably always going to happen with karma. Did Mm -hmm. certain events make it more likely that ice spice was going to be the person for that? But like ice spice probably would have been the person for that. Regardless. It's a little bit more of like a chill flow for her. Like I love the I've seen a bunch Nora, of TikToks of like chill flow. It's well, it's like the portion where she's just like facts. Yeah. And the caption is always like Ice Spice is the lax bro helping with your presentation. Yes. <laughs> just saying like one word. Um Karma but it's is good. my it lax works. bro helping with my presentation. Facts. It does work. I it, to me, it's emblematic of the fact that Taylor Swift is entering a new phase in her career. She is not playing guitar to Tim McGraw in the crowd anymore at the, at the country music awards or whatever she is now like moving into a Madonna esque phase of thinking about how she doesn't need to stay relevant, but she did not need ice spice. It does though. Kind of again, continue to broaden the audience that we keep thinking is sort of maxing out. And yeah, there's there's there a are, difference between needing someone and thinking it's cool, right? Yeah, like which, I yeah. love Karma. Karma is one of my favorite songs off Midnight's, mm-hmm. and it's one of Karma my favorite moments in the tour. Mm-hmm. And the first time I heard the remix, I went a little bit like, "Oh, this is cool, and I like this, and and Ice Spice's verse is fun, but like I like the thing that I like love the most. Yeah. Yeah. It's really grown on me. Like it's just fun. It's just fun to be like facts." Facts. Yeah. Facts. Okay. Well, yeah. My point was just that I think Taylor is very, very intelligent about the things that she does here. It is impossible to to break a new artist these days. Facts. Facts. And Ice Spice may be the one that breaks this year. It has been a long time since we've broken an artist globally. Even Bad Bunny is not selling a bunch of tickets in London. Or, you know, in Europe, right? So Ice Spice may be that sort of breakout star. 
And I, I just think it's just, once again, she's the best CMO. She's the best marketer in music. And so to sort of get that association, whether she used the Maddie drama to actually bring it to fruition or not. But, you know, when you bring her out in New York City, it's it's quite a statement. And it was. They looked great together. They sounded great together. And I have a sense she knew that was going to happen. Yeah, she's got good taste. Also, like, I, and I don't want to give too much, like, We've given a lot of oxygen and, and airtime to that whole situation, and it's obviously relevant. And uh, I appreciated people s- sort of chiming in and, and sharing their th- thoughts about the conversation that we had and just the Maddie stuff in general. It's also like it's one thing that's probably worth pointing out: a lot of people just don't know who he is. You know, like a lot of people who know who Taylor Swift is just like aren't tuned into any of this. And so their relationship with the Karma remix and Ice Spice being on the Karma remix is is going to be pure. And I will be honest, I envy them. And I just think that's worth noting. Yeah. I, there are some things you can't unsee, Nora. All right. Two little news items before we wrap up because okay. there is always news. I texted you about this earlier today and you were like, what are you talking about? But yeah. I observed with notation a tweet posted by Taylor Swift. Yes. As she usually does once she leaves the city. Thanking the crowd, you know, saying, oh, I had such a great time and, and wherever the last stop in the era's tour was. But I did notice that in her thank you Detroit tweet, oh, boy. it begins with, ah, Detroit, that was so much fun. But the ah, it does not have a num- normal number of H's. It has five H's. Curious, but it does not stop there. Then <laughs> it she continues. <laughs> First time I performed at Ford Field was singing the anthem there in 2006. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking it felt impossible for a place to be that big. I was so insanely nervous, blah, 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 blah. And I remember thinking an innocuous phrase. Are we out of the or woods a reference yet? to Out of the Woods, a song from Taylor Swift's fifth album, 1989. Well, first of all, I just want to say that I appreciate when you go batshit crazy on me. And here we are. I don't know what you're talking about. The second thing that I want to say is she did start to hint at, you know, it was enchanting, blah, blah, blah. So she, I think maybe you're counting the H's is the part that I'm having the, the crazy town reaction to. I'm not at all averse Three to... Three O's in So, Speak Now, third album. I was so insanely nervous. Three O's. Uh, why do you do this to me? I, I don't want to think about this. I Look, here's... I, she is definitely going to come out with 1989. We know this. We saw it in the video, uh, the Ice Spice video itself. She's telling us that this is coming. She's going to be cute and throw out the little Easter eggs here and there. We're going to overread 50,000 of them, uh, just like we overread the T-shirts that she walks out on stage in. That okay, was a that was weird. I'm sorry, theory. that was weird. That was a statistically significant situation the hell it was and if we ever which is probably not going to happen after the things that i've said get taylor swift on this podcast i will be asking her about that (laughs) that's fine um yeah here's what i will say this is the fun part 
It's always the fun part when we know something's coming. We know something is coming. It's coming. And so what I counsel both of us to do is to not over-rotate on all this stuff. Sometimes it's sitting right in front of us. On the golden statue, it says 1989 in the Ice Spice video. And I remember thinking is... I bet it's a clue. Let's see what she says coming out of Pittsburgh. Let's see what she does coming out of Minneapolis. But I'm guessing we're going to start to see these little hints here and there because we've known forever that 1989 is in the can. We did not understand why it hasn't come out. I think just to wrap up the entire thread of this conversation, I do think that you're losing me holds a number of clues, not literal, but just what it actually means. I think it holds a bunch of clues as to why she's made some of the career and music release choices and touring timing choices that she has, right? She didn't put out all the international dates right away. One could imagine she turned to her manager in that moment and said, I don't know where I'm going to be emotionally after these 53 stadium dates. I'm going through it right now. Don't book me around the world just yet, please. Right. And now we're starting to see the South America dates come out. You can imagine there's some Europe that's coming soon. Right. So I I just think, uh, yeah, there we go. Let's enjoy the ride. Let's enjoy the Easter eggs. Let's make sure we don't go too deep down the conspiracy hole because that's when sometimes we start to claim ownership of the life of a human being instead of just enjoying her little art of of her, her performative art that she does through these signals that she sends. I will be over rotating, but I think that's good advice. I just don't plan on taking it. This but entire Taylor of Summer divergence in our podcast, our otherwise high integrity uh, voice of reason podcast, is over rotation. But I'm here for it because it's the summer of Taylor, Nora. Okay, last thing. You did mention uh, that she has added additional international shows since. We last talked, there have been more Latin America shows added. I think she's up to 12 now, running from the end of August through the end of November. How long is this tour going to go for? Mm. I think she is going to play Europe for sure. But I think that she has the luxury of waiting and seeing because she is a non-scalable resource. And she is also in such high demand that there are probably, I don't know, 100 times as many markets (laughs) that could host a Taylor Swift show as she is going to be able to play. And so in the same way that she interestingly did not go to DC, she interestingly did not go to Miami, uh, she may miss a city in Europe or a city in Asia because the availability of the stadium that she wants to go play just doesn't work out. It's okay. She can route to somewhere else. I think she is just, I'm interrupting you briefly. That's great. She skipped Miami, but Miami did not win the NBA finals, which I believe does break the, uh, the Taylor Swift era's tour curse. Speaking of over rotating. Um, Congratulations to the Nugs. Uh, yeah, that's right. So that that curse is broken. But I think that this tour is an exercise in self-care. She's making sure that she can handle it. She's making sure that she can bring it every night. She's making sure that after 16 rain shows, she still wants to get out there and go do it because uh, it matters to her. And she's making sure that emotionally and physically, in the moment that she is in her life, that she can take a pause if she needs to. And I, th- that's it. That's what that's Love what it. we're seeing, and that's that's why we're not going to get 
all the tour dates until she's good and ready to say, yes, I can do it. Love it. All right. Nathan, a delayed as always. We'll be back next week. I can't wait. Bring the drama tea. Did you just do a British accent? <laughs> I don't know. What that was that like was. a little bit of your British accent that snuck in there. All right. A little treat for those who've waited to the 44 minute mark. Uh, this has been every single album. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, thank you to our fabulous producer, Kaya McMullen, for all of her wonderful work bringing this to life. 